and uh, uh, slightly emotional and all those cool things. Um, I would say one thing, just, just in case you didn't read the email or like Joe, it was too long and it intimidated you, so you just deleted it instantly. Um, the point of these meetings, so the goal is that everyone who feels committed to the new church would start coming to Sunday night from now until September. And I know Sunday night's not a convenient time for people to meet, and so, but we're just asking that that's like the first layer of sacrifice that we're all going to have to give. You know? So for the next five months, try to come to Sunday night. Um, we're going to try to make it an experience where you can feel like you went to church, okay? So you, you will have had some worship and some prayer ministry. There'll be some edification so that we're not like, quote unquote, missing church for five months. At the same time, we're going to be adjusting our paradigm of what church is and what it means to be fed. Like Jesus said, well, when he was really, really hungry and his disciples said, when have you eaten? He said, I have food to eat that you do not know of. I do the will of the Father. So we're going to start learning, I think me and all of us included, that church isn't, you know, being fed isn't just us consuming. That being fed is us doing the will of the Father. So we're going to learn, hopefully, a different way to eat as a group, all right, spiritually. Could we ask the kids to keep it down? <laughs> <laughs> that was just Jordan, actually. He was like, wee! <laughs> Playing with the toy. Um, so... So that's the goal is between now and then we're going to make Sunday nights a time where we're, we're going to be fed, but also we're going to do some training. Um, Jonathan and I have been, uh, I don't know, just like really inspired to learn a whole lot. And God's been bringing us resources in the forms of books and people. And, and it's, we're actually trying, it's, it's kind of hard to distill it all down into a way that we can communicate it to you guys. But we're working on that right now. So hopefully we'll have, you know, some really... Uh, concrete stuff that we can talk about. Sometimes we'll teach it. Sometimes we'll discuss it in groups here just to get us on board. But this is the launch team. And this isn't everybody, actually. There's quite a few people missing. But this is the launch team. There isn't like a small group of five or six that you don't know about, right? Like there may be leadership teams that are formed in in the next six months or in the next year. But right now, we're all on the team. So everybody in this room, you carry responsibility for for this church. And that's how we want it. That's on purpose. So we'll do some training and we'll do some praying together. We need to be praying together. And we'll also start serving and having some events. So sometimes, I'm not exactly sure how this is going to work yet. Sometimes we might not meet, we might go out. Um, But there's definitely some events and some getting into the community that we need to be doing. Okay, that's the first thing I wanted to say. Second thing I wanted to say is John Bristow. That's what I want to say. I'm not planning on talking about this, but I felt like the Lord wanted me to. So John Bristow is this guy that... um, I don't know, it's just like stuck in my head, right? So Mandy and I were going to Kohl's to buy our kids shoes a couple weeks ago. And, you know, there's people more and more, it seems like, who are standing at big intersections and begging for money. Have you noticed that? Um, Especially around the Christiana area. So um, we tend to try to have something that we can give them. And we pulled over, gave them like two or three dollars. And we started to just talk to him. So beyond just giving money, I usually try to start a conversation as long as the light is red. And he was telling us that he's sleeping in the bathroom of the Sunoco across the street. He looked to be like 21 years old, young guy. And, um, and then that was all we got, and we pulled out, and we went and parked in Kohl's. And, you know, we're sitting there about to go in. Hey, what's up? We're about to go in and, you know, spend a lot of money on shoes. And here's this guy sleeping in a bathroom with no food to eat. And, you know, so this is, this is part of the shift that's happened in Mandy, not my heart, and in our family you know, it's like, okay, well, she's going to take the kids in and shop, and I'm going to go down the street to Wawa, and I'm going to buy them some gift cards. And, you know, so drove back around, parked, 
he came out off the street and we had like a 15 minute conversation about God and his life and you know I gave him the money for the food and I got a chance to share the gospel with him. It was very natural and it was so simple. And as I, it was like 30 seconds at the most. And he's like, I've never heard anyone explain it that simply before. And I said, well, that's really what it is. And, and I said, you know, like, can we just pray for a little while? So we started to pray. And I started talking to him about, like, the good steps that he needs to take in his life to get from where he is to where he wants to be. But I also felt this hole. Like, I, I called a friend of mine, um, Aaron. Uh, I don't know if you know Aaron and Mariah. They work with Urban uh, Promise. And I was like, you know, do you have any resources for this guy? And the resources he had were in Wilmington. I couldn't connect this guy to any resources. And I felt like this lack. Like, this is a great encounter, but I wish I could do more for you. And, and there just wasn't anything else I could do. I'm not going to see him on a regular basis. I don't go up there very often. But something about it impacted me. And one of the things was, this is what Christianity, not, it's not the only thing, okay? But this is part of what I want to impart to my kids is not that Christianity is that we go to a building on Sunday morning together. Christianity is where we live our lives, we are Christ, right? Where we live our lives, we are people of hope. We're bringing healing and hope and restoration to the people around us, whether we know them or not, whether we have all the answers or not, but that we're living lives that are sent and on mission. And so that's part of what it was there for me was like, you know, kids got to see this, got to feel it. I actually almost wanted to then, we had planned to go out to dinner that night. I almost wanted to come back and say, guys, I'm really sorry, but we're not going out to dinner. We're going home and having, you know, pancakes because I spent our dinner money to help this person. I was like this close to doing it as an object lesson. And then I decided ah, I kind of wanted to go out to dinner. So, um, <laughs> so we went out to dinner. But I, I, it made me excited that we could do this more. It made me feel like, man, I don't, I don't know how to do this, but I just felt like sharing that because there are so many people who need Jesus. There are so many. Jesus said that the the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, and I felt it. As I looked into this guy's eyes, whose mom died from an overdose when he was 11 years old, whose dad just died, who was abused in his foster home, Okay? It was bounced around from foster home to foster home. He was now sleeping in the bathroom of a gas station. And you've seen bathrooms in gas stations. That's not even a good bathroom, right? I mean, this is as low as it gets. I don't even have any framework. I can't be like, yeah, man, I've been there. He doesn't have a job. He has a felony record. So he's, how is this guy ever going to get off the ground? Well, that's all I had to offer him. I literally felt like, like all I can do is tell you about Jesus. So that's what I did. And I, and I, and I prayed for him. And, but there's, that's just one guy. And there's so many more people who need a church that's not existing for ourselves. A church that's saying, okay, we found Jesus. He's changed my life. Now I'm going to go. We're going to be a people who are sent. And yes, I am 100% convinced that we will receive more as we give. I, I'm, I just, I believe it. I'll tell you what, I felt so fulfilled about my life when I got back in the car that I had shared my faith with someone who didn't know Jesus. I was like, oh my gosh, that's the first time I've done that in years. Like I actually felt him take a step closer to Jesus. Like you could see it. Something fell off and I prayed for him 
Just like I would pray, and it was like, this is what we talk about. But the more we put ourselves out there, the more it's going to happen. I'm not saying, listen, I am the extrovert of extroverts. I know that. And my spiritual gift is evangelism. So you don't have to stop and talk to people in the middle of the street about Jesus. I'm not saying that as an example for all of us. But you all have your gifts. And we're going to get into that. I just felt like sharing it because I was really in a bad spot there. I was really struggling with knowing where we were going to do this church and feeling pulled in two different directions. And then I just met this guy, and it was like, it was like pivotal for me, like these people are everywhere. No matter where we go, people need Jesus and they need the church. So, so is John, Bristow his name? John Bristow is his name. I don't think I'll ever forget it. John Bristow. He kind of sounds like a superhero, doesn't he? Oh, Jack Bristow. That's wild. Okay, so that's my, that's my intro. So tonight we're going to talk about location and I'm going to share a couple points from a book that I've been reading. Location, location, location. So um, the story for me is that my heart has been pointed towards putting a uh, meeting in Avongrove for the past few months. And I thought that's where we were going to go. And a shift has happened over the last two weeks in my heart. Um, I didn't hear God speak from heaven. The, the, the clouds didn't open up. I wanted that. I was asking God for a su- some huge supernatural sign. And I believe instead he's given me a number of small steps and then um, uh, given me and Mandy and Jonathan and Rebecca um, a chance to make a decision based on our heart and our call and what we feel like God's saying. So we felt like God said to meet in Newark, um, but not to just say that we're all about Newark. And here's the thing that shifted in my heart. Um, as I ended my, my 40-day fast, I came down to that building. I spent, the, not the whole night, but I spent some of the night in prayer and just by myself trying to cry out to God. And, and what I sensed was, kind of through this whole process is God's given us people who, who you know, really deeply care about Avangrove. And he's given us people who really deeply care about Elkton. And he's given us people who really deeply care about Newark, right? And so that seemed like a problem to me. And what shifted in me was maybe that's an asset instead of a problem. Maybe that's good instead of frustrating. And uh, if you remember Dick and Maida Ray, they came to our church a couple months ago, and he gave a prophetic word. He said, that, you know, you've been given a seed, and the seed, like as a leader, look at the seeds you've been given and plant them. So if our seeds are in Newark, Elkton, and Avongrove, then why don't we just plant them and, and go for it in all three communities? The message of this church that we're trying to start isn't, it's all about Sunday morning, right? Actually, the message is, it's all about the other six days of the week. Where, what you do, where you work, and where you live. So is it more complicated? Is it tackling too much? Is it a bigger vision? Yeah. There's risks and there's obstacles. But I think that we're called to, to meet in Newark. Now, we haven't secured a, an actual building yet, but we're close. Um, so we will use your point if we have to. We'll steal one. We'll meet in the middle of the road. Um, no, so I'll get to that in a second. But that's what we're feeling. And I want to just show you a couple things because, um, all right, so for me, Yeah, and another thing that happened is, just so you know, like, I want you to know that this isn't just, like, me and Jonathan sitting in an office, like, throwing a dart at the board or whatever. Like, um, I had a, we've been getting mentoring from the pastor at Blue Root Vineyard, his name's Mark Tyndall, mentoring for church planning, because he's, he led the church planning committee for the East for the Vineyard for a number of years, and he church planned himself, came from Ohio to here. Um, he's got so much wisdom, and he really believes in what we're doing here. He's a big fan. Well, actually, we're going to ask him to come down and speak to this group at some point before we start. You've probably met him. Um, but he, uh, I spent about an hour on the phone just wrestling with him. 
on the phone. I won. Uh, I hung up at him. I sleep. But he didn't have any vested interest in, in either location. And as we talked through the big vision, which I think part of this that you should know if you haven't heard it is, we want to we wanna plant more churches. Like in the next five to ten years, I'd love to see more churches planted with this vision to reach the unchurched and the poor. So um, just strategically, he was really sensing that Newark made a lot of sense. Another uh, kind of mentor guy that I sort of picked up who lives in, I forget where he lives. Joel, his name is Joel. Um, he, Where'd you pick him up? <laughs> at a conference in Florida. <laughs> but he, he doesn't live in Florida. But so, no, it wasn't at a bar. Um, I was, every time I would talk to an expert, they would say things about all the reasons it would make sense to go to Newark. And I would feel this resistance because I felt like I thought we were supposed to get at Avon Grove. So this has been the evolution for me. Um, to, I think I've had to lay down a picture that I had. And I know some of you are going to have to lay that down too. And I know it's not easy. Um, I know some of you were all on board for Avangrove. And I think that's still something that we should invest in. We should invest in it. We should go for it. And maybe someday we'll plant another church there. I don't know. But um, so I want you to know a little bit about that. Um, okay, so real quick, I made some maps. And I, 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 like, I like maps. So the, the little thing is Newark Charter High School, which is where we're hoping to meet. We might not start out there. We might start out in the elementary school, but we're hoping to meet there. The first circle is a 10-mile radius. The second circle is a 12-mile radius. Um, so 10 miles is very reasonable for driving. 12 is 25 minutes, which might be a little bit of a stretch. But what I like about this, and this is what I felt like changed in my heart, is that if we meet there, if you look in there, Elkton, Newark, and most of the Avangrove School District are contained in that, as well as Hokesson. So it's actually a really central location to reach those places. Um, yeah, so do you see that little red? That's the Avangrove School District. Just real quick for those of you, because I know we were really pressing towards that. This was also eye-opening for me. We can reach most of the school district by still meeting. Now, I know it's going to be a little bit of a hard sell because sometimes to say, you know, drive to Newark and... To, to be honest with you, I've been doing this reverse for years. I meet people in Newark all the time through my outreaches and Hokesson. Hundreds of people over the years that I've met and tried to invite across the state line to PA. And it's, it's hard. So I understand that this could be hard coming the other way. But I do believe that, um, that the traffic flows towards Newark easier than it flows out of Newark, just to be honest. And this was really eye-opening to me, that we, how much of the school district we can reach by meeting there, okay? The other thing that was telling for me, those are circles, same circles around Avangrove High School where we were looking to meet. All the dots are you guys, okay? So if you look at where our people are that God's given us, you guys didn't know the location for sure, but you were captured by the vision. If you look at where our people are, we're mostly around, that's, those circles are drawn around uh, Newark Charter. Do you see the difference? So can I go back? There's a whole bunch of that that's empty, even the 10-mile circle. See, we're, we're more south. Past Route 1, no one's up there. Yeah. So Route 1 is just a definite barrier. But this is a lot of us are contained. There's just a few outliers. Jordan. Um, <laughs> you're, you're almost in. Look, you're so close. I'm, I should have drawn a little bubble right there. Is that, is that you? Oh, that's the Ultimuses? Yeah. Oh. Jordan, you're in. All right, Jordan. It even, what's amazing is this even has you, Chris. Look at that. Yeah. Chesapeake City is in the 10-mile radius. Yeah. Incredible. 
I mean, Chesapeake City feels like Florida to me. So, um, All right, so I don't know if you think that that's important or not, but given the prophetic word of use the seeds that God's given you, like, I am not going to personally be, be able to invite the hundreds of people that I believe are supposed to come to this church, maybe more than hundreds, okay? That isn't all me. That's us. And so you, where you live and work is where we're going to invite people. Your networks have become God's fishing net. So those networks, you need to start seeing them differently. And that's why I think that this location is, is where God wants us to start. Unless we can't get it, then I'll think God wants us to start somewhere else. I feel like also where it, people don't want to drive 25 minutes just for something that's impersonal and they don't care about. But if you're invested in it, if there's somebody, if, if something's happened where your heart's been touched and someone's inviting you along to it, a 20-minute ride is nothing. I mean, I drive 20 minutes all the time. I drive 40 minutes to drop my kids off someplace and then come home and then drive 40 minutes again to go pick them up and then come home because I love my kids. You know, I mean, if your heart's captured by something, then a 25-minute, even a 25-minute drive is not. So that's going to be us personally making impact on people and bringing them along. And, you know, I mean, some people like Brie and Tyler who are going to be probably a minute away. They could walk to New York Charter. Early morning, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and they better get all of Elkton saved, is all I'm saying. That's their mission field as well. But, you know, like that's going to... But even if you're a good distance away, like there's families in our, in our lives that we could invite to come with us. And honestly, that's not hard to do. We're all, people are used to driving. Even in Avergrove, most people drive to Wilmington. And that's like 45 to an hour away. Every single day, twice. You know, so. And, and something that, that has really impacted me is that I do feel like this church is going to be called to, to reach Younger people, too. And if you look at Avongrove, m- most of the people are just middle-class families with kids. And I think those people are awesome. And it's just, like, really big neighborhoods. But there's hardly any townhouses. There's hardly any apartments. All the townhouses and apartments are where young professionals and singles go. And they're not in Avongrove. They're in Newark. They're in Bear. Right. It's hard to... Uh, right. It's, uh, they can't afford it. It's like the richer level of people, you know? Um, not all of what are you guys laughing at me? What are you doing? Are you doing that? Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. You mess with me all Yeah, time. yeah. Yeah, you could say something. I don't know if my fly was down or something. Everybody's pointing and laughing. So what I'm saying is is the vision is meant to like we are one of the prophetic words. I don't know if you're gonna read Ruth's. Are you going to? But one of the prophetic words from Ruth Owens, who we trust as a prophetic voice in this church, is that Christian has a call to reach young people and other people, but also young people. And being close to the university gives us a chance to have an impact on tens of thousands of kids. You know, And not that we don't want to reach older adults or senior citizens, but I do think there is a, there's, it's going to lean towards younger versus way old. We need older people to invest and be mentors and all that. But we got a couple. There we go. You know, and Brad's around here somewhere, right? All right. <laughs> That's what you meant. Steve came up to me and said, I'm going to be the Joe of the new church. And I thought Joe Capista. I thought, I thought it's just because he's tall, right? And I was like, yeah, you're going to be the Joe. I was like, does he know Joe's going to be here too? 
But he met Joe Wright, who was an old guy from like 30 years ago, who was like way older. Steve, you're not that old, buddy. I, I, I hate to you know, make you sad. So, so anyway, I do think that's the advantage. One of the advantages of Newark is that there's a greater, like way more diversity that we can really bring into and make an impact on. And I care about that. I do care about the millennials and the next generation and giving them a place to, to worship and grow and be transformed and find purpose and all that kind of stuff. So. We did receive a number of prophecies. Um, I'll share this with you just real quick. Um, so this, this is just weird. Like the day that I was driving around with Jonathan and my dad, we went and, and um, I don't know if Shannon was with us that time, but we went to, we went to see one place in the Avon Grove School District, and then the lady took us to two other places, and her boss joined us. Some of you have heard the story. And that's when he took us into the high school, and it, it felt like this door opening, like, and this is when I was like, oh, this is definitely God. We're, we're going to get the high school. This is going to be <laughs> revival. Like, can't wait. And while I was in the car with them, I got this text from a friend that I've made in uh, Vineyard Worship who lives in California. And she texted me and said, God gave me a dream, and I, it, you were in it, and so you should call me. <laughs> it's like, while I was in the car. So I didn't call her, because, but then I called her back later that day, and I'm like, pumped on Avongrove. I'm like texting Mandy like, I can't believe God's going to get us into high school after all. And she gives, she calls me. She's like, so I had this, this really amazing dream of, of your, you know, your church kicking off. She's like, I went, I woke up in the middle of it, went back to sleep and it continued. And I even told God like, don't let it continue if it's not of you, you know? Yeah. I wish I want to sleep. Um, and she was like, so it's really significant that it was like, she said it was like in a in a strip mall where it's like all glass in the front and all parking lot. She's like kind of like next to a hair salon. It's literally the words that she said. Now the hair salon wasn't in the dream. But as she said those things, for me, my heart sank because I was like, oh, that's Newark. Why? Like we just, I just feel like I decided Avongrove. And it was like two days before that, I had literally driven through Newark to a very specific location where there was a storefront with parking lot and a hair salon next to it. And I had stopped in front of it, and I had been like, hmm. And I had called the phone, phone number. So I don't know if we're actually going to end up in a storefront someday. Manny thinks that could be in the future, like either a ministry and a storefront or whatever. Or if that was just God being like speaking my language. Like, I know you were here two days ago. Like, I know it feels like you're headed in a direction, but don't forget about this. So that was kind of weird for me. And by the way, in the dream, things went really well. So that's exciting. Like lots and lots of people. Yeah. Well, clap for you. Yeah. And, John, would you like to share your dream about Friendlies? No. <laughs> no. I did dream that we met in an abandoned Friendlies. How, how awesome would that be? If it was there... huge. It was the biggest Friendlies that's ever existed. <laughs> All right. Maybe that's just, we're about to be friendly. Oh. <laughs> ice cream socials. We should hand ice cream out. <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. <laughs> ice cream Sunday. <laughs> the cherry on top. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, you give me 10 more minutes? Okay, so shift gears. First of all, if you haven't read this book, I would love for you to read this book. I think it would be beneficial for all of us that are going on this adventure to read this book. Um, you, should, you can just buy it, because I know once you buy a book, it's read instantly. Um, so, it's really good. You can actually even listen to it on tape. 
Janine, is my book back there? Yeah, you can listen to it. Is my heroic leadership back there? Oh, here it is. Here it is. Okay. But I was, like, not sure what to say this first meeting. And then there, this book is, um, like, Phil Strahl, it's, like, his, the book that, like, he would recommend to everybody about leadership all the time. If you've ever, Phil Strout's the leader of the Vineyard. Um, it's called Heroic Leadership. And basically, if you're on the Vineyard Leadership team at any level, you have to read this. I'm, I'm going through it my second time now and um, been doing some mentoring with Phil in this. And it's about the Jesuits, the beginning of the Jesuit movement, and not just the beginning, their, the, their whole thing. And he basically says the way the Jesuits ran their movement has concepts that can be applied to corporate leadership or church leadership if you want to change the world, right? So it's big vision type leadership. And... Um, these guys were 10 guys who started out with no money and no connections and ended up planting like hundreds and hundreds of universities all over the world. They got before kings and emperors like within 10, 15 years of starting. They, tra- they, be- they also became explorers and like opened up all these routes into China and Asia that no one had ever opened up before. It's pretty cool if you read it. If you like history, you'll really like it. Those parts tend to bore me a little bit, to be honest. But the leadership stuff is really cool. So I want to share with this with you because I felt like the Lord just started to share with me that we are, we are a team of people about to embark on an adventure. And these four pillars are actually really, really important for us. So I just put them on a slide. I'm just going to talk about them briefly. You can take it. Um, so these are the four pillars. And... Uh, you can read literally two, three chapters about each one. Self-awareness is the whole, uh, their whole they, it's the spiritual practices where they do meditations every day, five times a day, to, to get in touch with their emotions, get in touch with what God's saying to them. And really, it's to make sure that they're still on mission. That's where this came out of. So they, were, they said, we're going to give our lives wholly to this mission, okay, of the, grady, gr- um, the glory of God and the greater good of man. And everything we do needs to be on that mission. And so they would five times a day stop what they're doing and get in the presence of God and meditate and say, is the stuff that I'm doing in my life giving glory to God and for the greater good of man? And if it wasn't, they jettisoned it. They got rid of it right away. So self-awareness was to overcome their own tendencies. And it was also, let me get in touch with my weaknesses and the things that keep me from fulfilling the mission that God's put on my life. So what this means for me, for us, is just to continue, I know some of us did the 40 days of fasting and prayer. We have to continue to be on our knees before God. Like, like you, this isn't like, all right, so you know everything I say is not a slight against anyone else. But this is not just like going to church. Planting a church is different. And if you're joining a plant, am I right, Suzanne's? Okay, you are going to come under attack. It's not just me. Dear God. Right? It's not, I will attack you. You're, you're sticking. I mean, this makes the enemy so angry. The greatest way to reach people for Jesus right now is through church planning. Research shows that. So this is exciting, but we need to, we need to, like, you're not spectators. Like, this is the shift that has to happen. Like, Mindy is planting a church. You are. Like, you have to own it. You have to own it because the enemy is going to see it that way, whether you do or not. So you need to own it. So we need this self-awareness to be in the presence of God, praying, watching ourselves, watching our weaknesses. Our weaknesses will flare up as we go on mission. If you've ever been on a missions trip or a ministry trip, your weaknesses flare up. 
okay? Your sin areas, the things that you don't love about yourself, the weaknesses in your marriage, the way you relate to your kids, the enemy will push those buttons, right? So number one, self-awareness, self-care, soul care, taking care of our own spiritual lives has to be paramount as we go out on mission, right? The whole idea is the that we, we've been receiving for a long time, now we're going to give, but you have to continue to receive so that you can give. Okay, the second one is ingenuity. I love this. This is so awesome. The whole world becomes our house. I put that there? Yeah. So they live life eagerly exploring new ideas, new approaches, new cultures, rather than shrinking defensively from what culture has to offer. So they're always looking for the next thing that they can conquer, the next thing that they can do, the next person they can touch, the next problem they can solve. And they, I love this expression, they lived with one foot raised. Right? Now, Steve and Claire, you're doing this in a very radical way, but we can all live like this, right? Living with one foot raised means you're, you're always ready to take that step as soon as God tells you. What is that next step? Who's that person to invite? Who's that person that you're going to pray for? What's that person, like a uh, nonprofit that you're going to minister to or get involved with or give your time or your energy or money to? It's, it's different than spectating. Spectating is like this, where everyone else does the work. But if you know that you're on mission— See, these 10 people said, it's us. And then everyone that joined, there was no tears, okay? They said, we're all leaders. We're all leading all the time, either well or poorly. So everybody in this room, in this room, in this room or group is a leader. And we, there's no room for spectators anymore. So it's, it's, it's standing with one leg ready to go into those, okay, guys, you know, an email comes out Saturday night late. So-and-so's sick. We need four more people to help set up. Okay. Right? And it's or, not just the one or two people who do everything. No, it can't be. Sharon will die. Yeah. <laughs> she's not even here. And she's, yeah, she's not. She's helping somebody right now, actually. You know, or there's, there's an outreach in your community. And this is hard for all of us. And you have to understand, like, I'm not preaching against family time. Like, that's why I started with self-awareness. You have to be aware. You have to take care of yourself and your family. But I said we're going to learn how to be families on mission. I'm so excited about that. We're going to learn how to take care of ourselves by doing the will of God and not just defining it by going the other direction. Okay, ingenuity. Also, this thing is huge. It's this value of indifference. I've actually preached on this before. This is really hard for me. Indifference is this sense that um, we get rid of all the attachments that keep us from doing God's will. I wrote big in the margin of the book, what do I have that's holding me back? You know, for some of us, it's their house, right, Claire? But um, and she shared that in her teaching, and she had to lay that down before the Lord. Hopefully, that's not true for me. Um, but it could, be, it could be small, too. Um, getting rid of attachments, external and internal, that hold us back from the long-term goal of serving God. Let me, let me just say, uh, share one quick story. Um, so I was leading a retreat a couple years ago, and I, um, we had a, you know, assigned all these people different things. And this one guy from Maine, I had assigned, uh, last minute, we decided in, while we were there to do this big thing Saturday night that we'd been kind of tossing back and forth. And he was like, I think we should do it. I was like, okay. So he did this last minute run to Walmart, spent like a couple hours, came back. And then during the meeting, the Holy Spirit came and we didn't have time to do the thing. And I went over to him and I was like, Mike, I'm so sorry. Like, I really don't think we can do it. And he said, indifference. He's from the church that Phil started that teaches us all the time. He's like, it's, it's not about me. It's about God. So, like, 
I could have been bent out of shape. You tell me, like, I missed time with my kids, like my, my high school kids, to go to Walmart. I shopped, you know, we, we spent money, came back. I missed like four hours of the retreat, and now you're not even going to do it? But it was like indifference for the greater glory of, the, for, I always say it wrong, the good of, the glory of God and the greater good of man. It's for the glory of God and the greater good of man. Less of me, more of you. He was like, indifference, no big deal. That's hard, right? There might be ideas that you bring to, to me. Let's just, I'll put myself in the spot. And, and I'll say, that's a great idea. I believe in you. I don't think that fits the vision. And you might even disagree. You might be like, I think it does, right? And I, I might say like, because we're going to be, we're going to try to learn how to stay very laser focused on the unchurched and the poor. And so there's going to be great ministries and great ideas that we're going to say no to because we're going to be laser focused on our vision. That's the hope. Yeah. We don't know how to do that. Yeah. But we're going to hopefully, need we need to learn. So there might be times where you, there might be times where I'm asked to lay things down. Right? I, I had a big picture in my mind of having, huh? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was about to say that, like, in my mind, I had this picture of one high school where we'd meet in it, and I would volunteer as the basketball coach, and, like, we would really invest in that community. It'd be, like, one town, one community, one high school, one church, right? And now, like, I don't know what it looks like. It's, like, three towns, and part of my brain's, like, that doesn't even make sense. You're trying for too much, and, like, there's, like, 700 different high schools, and so, yeah, we're all going to be asked to lay stuff down. All right, self-awareness, ingenuity. i got to say one more thing about, all right, love. So stirred to profound gratitude, I become able to love. So love is unlocking the potential in other people. So love goes two ways. First, it's, it's the sense of teamwork where we value, respect, and trust each other. So backstabbing, building alliances, like I, Jonathan and I don't agree, so let me get Michael to agree and Tyler to agree and Bree to agree. Now, now I'm going to come back and be like, well, Jonathan, Michael, Bree, and Tyler agree. Right? It's not building alliances. Yeah. That's a holy group right there. It's not backstabbing. It's not, it's not, you know, it's not selfishness. It's not getting what you want. Love is teamwork, is laying down our lives for each other first. And then it's also going to be love inspiring us to do great deeds in our communities. Love for our communities. Really being broken for the people, even people that you might say, I don't have a heart for them. I actually said out loud multiple times, I do not want to have a university church. Yeah. I do not want to yeah. minister to university students. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you, you proclaimed that. <laughs> God heard you. So I'm not saying, I don't think we're going to be a campus church, yeah. but if God wants us to reach students, who am I to say no? Right? If, if 100 students show up, we're not going to kick them out. <sighs> I do not want a university church. Get out. Um, and I don't want any university workers there either. <laughs> Joe. That's when we got the new Joe down here. Yeah. There's a new Joe in town. <laughs> All right. Um, self-awareness, ingenuity, love, and my favorite one is heroism. Um, we imagine, did I put that up there? No, this thing. Listen, uh, we imagine an inspiring future and strive to shape it rather than watching it happen. That is so what I think we're trying to embody here. It, like we're looking out into our communities and we're saying what could happen. 
What could happen? We're looking at our schools. I wish there's more teenagers in here, but like, you know, there's like three of you. Four. We're looking at our schools. We're looking at our friends. We're saying five. Wow, they're everywhere. They're multiplying. <laughs> but like, what could happen? Like, what is, what's big that could happen? There's this, this concept in heroism that's called magis. And it was a word that they used all the time, which meant always more. It's like, Always more or always better. And they're always looking at everything they're doing, saying, how can we reach more? How can we touch more? How can we make that better? How can we solve that problem better? And they would just say, okay, I'm laying everything down and going for it to make that happen. They did this meditation. I was always going to read it to you guys, but they did this meditation that was all about being motivated to give more than wholehearted service. So if you think about that, you can't do that. You can't give more than wholehearted service. So they, they talk about being poised and coiled like a snake, like ready to strike. This is the Jesuits. And they would be ready to strike, but they didn't stay poised for long. Because as soon as something captured them that they could give wholehearted service to, they would go more than wholeheartedly into it. So this isn't half-hearted. This isn't like, ah, I do this and this and this. This is like, this is like living on mission. I, mean, I think for some of us sitting in this room, this is what we've been longing for. is something to say yes to. Like with everything we have, and that's this sense of magic, like being something bigger than ourselves, trying to do something that's outside of our ability, and that God will have to meet us in. I mean, really, what if, guys, what if in a year and a half, let's give it, let's give it a year and a half. What if in a year and a half, <laughs> well, we haven't even started meeting yet. A year from when we start is what I'm saying. What if, like, what if that cafetorium at the high school is full? How many is that seat? Like 600 people? I'm not in it for the numbers, right? But what if 500 people are in church, and if the vision stays strong, so it's not 500 Christians that we stole from other churches, but 500 people who have stopped going to church, who have been disillusioned with church, who had a faith background, but have stopped and now they've reconnected, or who never knew Jesus in the first place. I mean, it's going to be messy. Church is going to be different. We're going to have a lot of work to do, but how happy would God be? How, how fulfilled would you be? Or what if, like, you know, your community, we, we had established some amazing way of touching people's lives. Like, we're feeding 10 more people than are being fed right now that are hungry, you know? Or, or we're helping to house people or whatever. Like, just, I think what's going to start to happen is in this, there's going to be these seeds like Dick talked about, right? They're going to, you're going to be like, I'm going to go at this with more than wholehearted service. And I'm going to start to like have this sense of majesty, this sense of my life's going to, going to do this great thing in this person's life. It's, again, it's not about numbers. Like we're not all called to make an impact on a thousand people, right? It's like the whole Jethro thing. References like that I won't be doing when we get into the new church. But most of you know who Jethro is, right? So like he broke it down into to tens, hundreds, thousands. Yeah, Duke's a hazard. <laughs> Um, so some of us have those gifts, you know, some of you are called to impact like a person, but some of you are called to impact more than that. And that's, it's all equal in the eyes of God. I'm just saying, what, what is that? That sense of magic, that sense of more, more than I'm doing with my life, more that I can give. And I know some of you are like, there's no way I can give more right now. So I think God's going to begin to, to define that and refine it and, and laser like white hot vision. Remember, Jonathan, we're reading that in that book, that white-hot vision is what's going to capture people who have lost that sense of majesty with church. 
People stop coming to church because they, the, the mission has stopped being white hot and they're not inspired anymore. And so they're like, what is the point? And we're going we're gonna to, hopefully, by the grace of God, we're going to reignite that. So when people walk in, right, they immediately get that sense of, wow, these guys are about something great in the earth. I want to be part of it. And just to be honest with you, when we walked into Justin's church, this is our friend in New Haven, Connecticut, you walk in there, and the way that they talk about stuff, it feels like they're doing something big, right? Even if you don't know what it is, it's just like something big is happening here. Am I right? And then we had a chance to sit down with the leaders and eat lunch with them and talk to them for a couple hours, and then it was just like intimidatingly big. And, but I feel like that's, that's it. Like, so, okay, we're going to talk about more of this stuff. Um, I really think those four... I think that we, you, you and I could pray about those and begin to just meditate on becoming those four things because I really do feel like we're a missionary team. It's as if we all just got planted in a new place. I think we need to, to study this. You know, we need to study the, the cultures that we've been living in. And, and how can we reach these cultures? So we want to spend the next couple minutes praying in small groups and just beginning to pray. And we, you don't have to just pray for Newark, Right? We're, I think we're going to be called to all three. So let's pray whatever God puts on your heart for those three communities. We have a ton of work to do in the next six months. We have a lot of money to raise. We have a lot of things to buy. And we also, last thing I would say is we need, we would love to renegotiate the initial price that Newark Charter offered us. So I'd love for us all to pray some tonight that we would get a ridiculous deal. Okay? So three or four or five groups I mean, groups of three or four or five, pray for like five or ten minutes and we'll end with a worship song maybe. Unless you disagree. Do you have a, a different plan? No, it's great. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. We'll end with song, no, just end after yeah. prayer? Yeah. Okay. So we'll pray for like five or ten minutes. So go ahead and break into groups. Do you need to throw some music on?